Hey everybody, this is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the sermon. We're beginning a new sermon series today called Forgiving as We Have Been Forgiven. It'll be a quick three-week sermon series that talks about one of the basic practices of the Christian life, which is receiving and extending forgiveness. It's one of the basic practices of the Christian life, but it's also one of the most difficult. It's hard, and it's challenging. And so over these next three weeks, what we want to do is we want to help explain the basics of what it means to be forgiven by Jesus and then encourage and invite the people of Jesus who have been forgiven by Jesus to extend the same kind of forgiveness that God through his son Jesus and in the power of his spirit has extended to us. So these next three weeks are going to be really, really great. We'd love to have you join us for the, throughout this entire journey. If you can't make it, we podcast every single week. You can find the sermons at lafayettenaz.org. You can check it out. We'll recap it on Facebook, all of that stuff. But listen, all of those things are great, and they're helpful tools. But they do not replace the tangible presence of God experienced amongst God's people. So, I know the fall has come and calendars have become really busy, mine included. But as much as you can, make these next three weeks a priority. All right, there's a lot of talk these days, a lot of talk. A lot of talk about news. A lot of talk about news. Biased, crooked, slanted, fake. A lot of talk about fake news. And I don't know if you were paying attention um, to, to the stuff that's going on in South Carolina and North Carolina and, and Hurricane Florence, which apparently is recreating the flood scene from the book of Genesis. But, and the real destruction that's going on, which is very, very real. Very real. But, when the story is told about that tragedy and about that destruction and about that devastation, which is real, but when the story is told with embellishment, it just kind of leaves a bad taste in our mouth. I, I want to show you this. I want to show you this video. Okay, uh, picking it up here in Wilmington, North Carolina, right at the Intracoastal, and we're in one of these bands. This is about as... Nasty as it's been, we had some bands like this last night, and then the eyeball this morning, we were not on TV, it was the dark and this uh, night at the hotel, and this wind. I don't know if you caught what's going on there, let me explain it to you. Newscaster is on the scene being pummeled and pelted by rain, 
and they've assumed the newscaster weather person power stance. You know, the wind coming so strong that if I don't position myself as if I have a rope and I'm pulling an airliner, that I'll be blown over. And then two bros, two bros, just strolling in the background <laughs> like it ain't no big deal. And we see that, and immediately the fake news radar. News, I want to talk about news. I mean, whether it's network news embellishing a story, or Russian bloggers making stuff up, sharing it on Facebook to influence an election, what this fake news moment in history has revealed to us is something about the nature of news. It's revealed to us something about the reality of news. And that's this. News isn't news unless it actually happened. If it didn't happen, it's not news. News isn't news unless something actually happened. News is something that happened in the past, affects us in the present, and changes our understanding of the future. It happened, it affects us, and it changes how we view the future. For example, one of the best bits of news I've ever received in my entire life. It's Sherry and I's five-year wedding anniversary. I'd taken the day off of work. We were living, in, living and working in Indianapolis at the time. Five years. You know, when you've been married for five years, you think that's a really big deal. For those of you who have been married 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, you're like, it's just another day. Five years. I took the day off so we could celebrate. Sherry woke up that morning, and she said, Troy, I have some news for you. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And I don't know if there could have been a better day to be together on that day celebrating the gift of love that God had given to us and then also to receive this incredible news for the first time in my life. I was going to be a father and she was going to be a mother. Now, she shared that bit of news, right? Something had happened. My daughter's here today. We don't need to describe what happened. Something had happened. It was affecting us in the present, and it was changing what would happen in the future. Now we'd go to, like, Babies R Us in our spare time, and we would prepare, and all of the disposable income would go away and be funneled into this new life. Something happened. It affected us in the present. It changed us in the future. Christianity is based on a single fundamental reality. Something has happened. What has happened has changed our present and affects our future. It's news. It's good news. In fact, the word gospel, the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, that word gospel literally means good news 
news. And it's news because it happened. And it's affecting us. And it changes us. And it's good news because, well, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. And so today I'd like to answer the question, what is it that happened in the past? What is it that actually happened that changes us in the present and affects us into the future? And in order to do that, I'd like to preach through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read beginning with verse 13. These are the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. My prayer is that these words would become the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ for you today. Listen. If we are crazy, it's for God's sake. If we are rational, it's for your sake. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. One died for the sake of all, therefore all died. He died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should live not for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So then, from this point on, we don't recognize anybody by human standards Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know him now. So, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away. Look, new things have arrived. And all of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Listen, church. By not counting people's sins against them. And he has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. So, we are ambassadors who represent Christ. And God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. You may be seated. This is God's word today. So what is it that happens in the past that changes us in the present and affects us? affects our future. Paul says it's the cross. He's talking about the cross over and over and over again through these words in Corinthians. And as he is talking about this event that happened, he talks about three specific things that took place. And these things happened in the past. And because they happened in the past, they change our present and they affect our future. These are the three aspects of the good news, news that happened that's good, that Paul wants to talk about in this passage of Scripture. The first is this. He said, if one died for all, therefore all died. One died for all, therefore all died. What he means is this. Jesus as he's dying on the cross, somehow, mysteriously, some way, enters into solidarity with all of humanity. And so in some mystical, 
miraculous sense, every human being that has ever lived, every human being that will ever live, was with Jesus on the cross. There, Paul says, Jesus identifies with us, all of us. He identifies with, hu- with humanity. In fact, he says, he became their sin. He became their sin. And so the humanity that's dying on the cross with Christ is the humanity that's like at war with God, is hostile with God. It's the humanity that's chained up and in bondage to sin and death and slavery. It's the humanity that's destined to suffer the death consequences because of slavery to sin. Now, sin, according to Paul, sin is the act of like shoving God away, saying no to God. And if God is the source of everything that's alive, if God is the source of all life, and if sin means we shove the source of life away, then the natural consequence of that action of sin, because we shove life away, is death. It's death. The wages or the consequence of sin is death, and it naturally leads to death. God doesn't have to kill people to punish them. No. The punishment is for God to simply say, I'm giving you what you want. You're pushing me away. I'm the source of life. And as you push me away, the natural consequence of that action is death. The ugly, rebellious, sinful humanity... That is the humanity that Jesus identifies with as he's dying on the cross. According to Paul, that is the humanity that Jesus became as he's dying on the cross. That's what killed Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus fully identified with that sinful humanity, when Jesus became that sinful humanity on the cross, and when he dies, what we believe is that in the death of Jesus, he put to death the reign of evil and sin. When he dies, it dies. And I know what you're saying is, hey, listen, um, that's great and like an idealist world, but we all live in the real world. And it looks today like ugly, rebellious, sinful humanity has in fact not been put to death. In fact, it looks like it actually might be in control. Because everywhere that we look, that's what we see. But Scripture says that its reign, the reign of rebellious, sinful ugly humanity, the reign of evil and death was put to death when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. The first thing that Paul says that's good news, something that happened in the past that changes us in the present, affects us into the future, is this. One person died, therefore all died. Secondly, the second thing that Paul says is good news is this. God caused the one who didn't know sin 
to be sin for our sake so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. So picture this, picture this, picture this. It's like God somehow squished all of humanity, gathered all of humanity up, squished it all up, and put it into the body of Jesus as Jesus is dying on the cross. And God made him, that's Jesus, God made him to be our sin. So it's like God took all of us and squished us all into the body of Jesus on the cross. And it was like this. It was like Jesus absorbed all of that and absorbed all of that poisonous venom of our sin and took it all into his own body. And as he does that, as he suctions out all of the sin from all of the humanity that was squished into his body on the cross and absorbs it into himself as he does that, it kills him. It kills him because he suffers the consequences of all of the sin. He identifies it. He suctions it out. He absorbs it into himself. He becomes that sin. He suffers the death consequences of that sin. Because the end consequence of sin is separation from God. Paul says we become a God-forsaken curse in the book of Galatians. So Jesus is literally on the inside of all of that. He's on the inside of every sin that humanity has ever committed, and he's identifying it. He becomes it. Jesus becomes all of the liars that have ever lived, all of the murderers, all of the traitors, all of the cheats, all of the thieves. He is that. He assumes it, and he experiences the consequences of that. He experiences the hell of murder, the hell of thievery. He's on the inside of that nightmare. The all-holy God, Jesus is God, the all-holy God is now experiencing this within himself. And by absorbing all of that, by taking it all into himself, the good news of the gospel is this. When he dies... It all dies with him. When he's put to death, he puts to death the reign of all of the things that he sucked up into his body. You kill the host, you kill the parasite. He absorbs it all, and it all dies with him. And he did that so that every obstacle, every roadblock between us and God could be removed He wanted those taken off the table. He wanted us to live in full communion with God, to be 100% rightly related with God. And he needed to get that stuff off the table, so he took it on to himself. And part of what separates us from God was our imprisonment to Satan. He absorbed that, and he took care of that too. Colossians chapter 2 puts it this way. These verses are so beautiful. He destroyed the record of debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross. And when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in a triumphal parade. And so when Jesus died, 
All sin died with him. Everything that stood against you, everything that is against us in our relationship with Jesus, he took it into his body and he killed it. Because the only thing that the accuser has on anyone, the only thing that the evil one has on anyone is their sin. He's the great accuser. And so we give him stuff. By the way we live our lives, we give him stuff to accuse him of. And it accumulates. And it like becomes our burden. It becomes our bondage. And every sin that we have ever committed puts us under the authority of Satan so that we are prisoners to him. But on the cross, Jesus destroyed all of that. Anything and everything that the accuser could throw against you. Every sin, every lie, every person that we've ever hurt. It was nailed to the cross with Jesus. And everything that Satan could ever use to keep us separated from God has been destroyed, humiliated, eradicated, obliterated, defeated. It's over. It's done. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. And now we're free to become people who are rightly related to God. It's the second thing that Paul says. So the first piece of the good news is, if one died for all, all died. The second part of the good news is, he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And thirdly, Paul says this. In other words, God was reconciling himself to the world through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. And so Jesus suctions out all of the sin and the venom that separates us from God. He absorbs it into his own body, and he suffers the death consequences that come from that. And when he does that, he puts to death all of the things that could forever separate us from God. That's how God reconciles us to himself. He doesn't count anybody's sin against them. The sin is dead. He killed it. There's nothing to count anymore because it's gone. Now, this is incredibly good news. It's incredibly good news unless, unless, if you like enjoy judging people, if you enjoy sitting in the judgment seat and saying, oh, that person, I can't believe they would do that. Look how bad they are. I'm so much better than them. We never say that part, but that's what we're saying. But look at really, I can't believe they would do stuff like that. How awful, how terrible. If you enjoy judging people, if you could, if you enjoy like comparing sin and like their sin is always so awful and your sin is always so minuscule. If you like enjoy, if, you know, if somebody says to you as you're judging, hey, listen, we're all sinners and your comeback is like, oh, you know, we might all be sinners, but look at all the things they have done. And you just create, you rattle off this laundry list of all of their transgressions and they're awful and you've got a few, but man, they're not that bad. 
if you enjoy judging people, you enjoy, you enjoy comparing sins, this is really bad news for you. This is really bad news. But if you've got your head on straight, like if you understand that outside of Jesus Christ, you and I, we are the worst of sinners and that without Jesus, we would be as lost as anyone who has ever existed. And if we get that point, then this is the best news ever because the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. God is not counting your sins anymore. He's not holding them against you. That game is over with. The whole thing's been put to death on the cross with Jesus. It's done. And so some folks today, you really, you really need to hear this. God's done with that game. He's not holding your sins against you anymore, which means through the grace of God, you can stop holding your sin against you. If God's done counting, you can be done counting too. I mean, if you think like you need to grovel and like pay for the sins that you've committed for the rest of your life in order to like earn back God's favor or something, I want you to know that that is a lie straight from the mouth of the enemy. The truth is God is done holding those things against you. You can be done holding those things against yourself as well. The good news is that Jesus died, so all died. It's that God made Jesus to be sin. Therefore, all of humanity can be rightly related to God. And it's that God is reconciling us all back to, us, to himself by stopping the game of sin counting. He's not counting sins anymore. And that's really, really good news. In fact, I think it's a game changer. It changes everything. It changed everything for me. I grew up in a great Christian home, had wonderful parents. Many of you have met them. They took me to church all of the time. They did everything that they could to teach me about the love of Jesus Christ. But like every parent knows, you can do all that you can. You can pray all that you can. You can demonstrate that love as well as you can. But that faith has got to become personal to someone. And I was way less comfortable with a God who wanted a relationship than I was with a religion where I could earn favor. Like, I knew how to memorize the Bible verses. Like, I showed, you know, my attendance report was always going to be good. I had great attendance. And so I, I really wanted this God to be the kind of God who would look at my effort and would reward me accordingly. And I kept hearing that God wasn't like that. And people always talked about how great of news that was. But I, I wasn't comfortable with any kind of relationship with God that got closer to me, that got closer than a list of rules to uphold. Until I realized that God was done counting sins against me. 
And I'll never forget how God spoke graciously into my life. This game you're playing is exhausting. All I want you to know is I love you so much that I removed through the death and the resurrection of my son every obstacle that has stood between you and me. And here's the thing. We can even try to make more obstacles ourselves because we don't want God to get that close. So we do, like, you know, we, we, we live our life in the opposite direction so that there will be more distance. And consistently God says, you can run as far as you want. In fact, I love how the psalmist says, even in the valley of Sheol, even in the grave, I find you there. Why? Because God has removed every obstacle, even the sin that separates us. God has said, I've put it to death. The only thing that stands between us, the only thing, is you saying yes. Is you saying yes. So when I was 17 years old, on Sunday night, My youth pastor was preaching a sermon. And in that moment, the love of God became perfectly clear to me. I recognized that something had happened and it had changed everything. That that one person, Jesus, had died. And all had died. That he became sin so that the obstacles could be removed. And that he was done counting sins. And I can be done too. And so in a moment, in a moment that changed a lifetime, I just said yes. Yes. Those are the only words I knew to say. I just said yes. I had realized that God in Christ had already said yes to me. And had been waiting and waiting and waiting for his child that he loves to say the same words back. Yeah. Yeah. And I followed that up with, I'm giving it all. It's kind of like a teenage version of saying, I surrender. I'm done. Yes. I want to receive this. I want to receive this. Here's the good news of the gospel. It's news. It happened. And what happened is that Jesus died, therefore all died. That he became our sin to remove the obstacles. And that he reconciled us back to God and stopped counting sin.